Let's pray. God, that is the heartbeat of your gospel. Throughout the Old Testament to the New, that you would see dry bones come alive, that you would see people turn to you, that you would see prodigals come home. And so, Lord, may we be a part of that army that helps in that. Lord, I I know there are some prodigals here today. They have felt that for much of their life. They know they have ran from you. Some of them are still running now. Lord, may they know today they are home, that they may stop and just be loved by you. And Lord, we as an army here at First Baptist Church, may we help in the process of bringing people to you. May we help in that process as your spirit breathes life into those dry bones. For we are your chosen, you're called to do that work, which you have called us to. Lord, may we today, even now, hear more about that challenge that you've set before us. Hear more about what your word says to us. And may we not leave this place as we came, but may we go changed, making a difference in the world that so desperately needs to know you. We love you. That's why we're here today. Lord, by the meditations of our hearts, by the thoughts that we give now, and then the actions that we display as we leave this place, may you know how deeply we love you. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. All right, well, welcome here to First Baptist Church. My name is Pastor uh, Brad Stahl, senior pastor here at First Baptist. And uh, yes, that certainly is a heartbeat of what we do around here at First Baptist Church is helping people to uh, take their next step in knowing Jesus and making Him known. Along that process is the series we are in. So if you have your outline, why don't you pull that out? It's called Gifted. And you'll see the title of the message I wrote was, Don't Just Sit There. So let me take you back to a story that I heard a number of years ago that some of you may remember. Uh, You know, today stuff is plastered all over the internet. People put their own adventures on YouTube and everything like that. And this stunt has been pulled a number of different times. But there was a time back in the early 80s when uh, someone decided to not just sit there and do something about it. It was a young man by the name of um, Larry Walter. He was a truck driver who really had done nothing for about a week. And so boredom got the most of him. And in the summer of 82, decided enough was enough. I need some adventure in my life. And on July 2nd of that year, what he did was he rigged 42 helium-filled weather balloons to a Sears lawn chair in San Pedro, California, and lifted off. Remember hearing about this story? Some of you are nodding your head, yes. Armed with a pellet gun, he thought ahead to, to get his pellet gun. Armed with a pellet gun uh, to shoot out the balloons if he was flying too high, he was shocked at how quickly he reached 16,000 feet. He wasn't the only one surprised. There were a bunch of pilots who reported hearing, seeing some guy in a lawn chair floating in the sky reporting that to the air traffic controllers. 
finally had enough sense to shoot out the balloons and 45 minutes later landed in Long Beach, California. And as we do in the American way, we made a hero out of him. We gave him some endorsements for popular companies. He ended up on The Tonight Show. I think it was with Johnny Carson back at that time. Uh, he actually quit his job, which he wasn't doing a whole lot with before that, but quit his job and became a motivational speaker around the country. And people often asked him, they said, why'd you do it? Did you have some sort of a death wish? To which he said, no. And what he told them was, was this. He said, it was just something I had to do. I couldn't just sit there. First Baptist Church, I hope you are not a part of the army that is just sitting there. God has gifted you with way too many talents and way too many abilities to just sit there. And as we've talked about the dry bones, I hope there are not dry bones out here, dead bones out here. I pray that you would be a part of that army that is arising to do the right thing, to know that you have been gifted to serve, to know that you have not been gifted just to sit around, and that God expects you to use your gifts to impact this world. You are not here just to take up space. You are not here just to breathe in oxygen and breathe out your carbon dioxide and kill another plant while you're doing that. You are not here just to, you know, take this carbon footprint type of thing, small, medium, or large, whatever it is, by the time you end earth, you are called, you are chosen, you are gifted to make a difference. Amen? Yeah, some of you know that, some of you don't, huh? I hope by the time we finish this message, more of you will realize that, what God has called you to do. In fact, if you have your Bibles, if you would open them up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read a story about a couple of guys who had totally the opposite viewpoint on life. Thinking life was about them, not about making a difference with others. Wanting the power and prestige of what it meant to rule. And so they became a little bold and they asked Jesus about it. Mark 10, chapter, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 35. Here's what it says. It says, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. That's a, that's a good word, isn't it? Say that with me. Sons of Zebedee. That sounds like a strange little murmur going on down here, huh? Try it again. Sons of Zebedee. All right came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now that is either the most boldest question that's ever been asked or the stupidest one that has ever been asked. I mean, can you imagine at your workplace a coworker going to your boss and say, Hey boss, I want you to do whatever I ask of you. You imagine your brother or sister doing that with your parents. No, it would be strange. You, you wouldn't think very highly of them. And yet, here they are, two of the twelve disciples, walk in and say, Hey, Jesus, we want uh, you to do whatever we ask of you. And so Jesus says, I think it was so absurd, he said, Well, what do you want me to do for you? Let, let, let's, let's hear it. They said, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said, uh, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am 
baptized? Are, are you able to do the things that I do or go through and experience? And they, of course, say, oh, oh yeah, we, we, we are able. Yep. And Jesus said, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not actually mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it was prepared. And then, oh, here's where it gets interesting. Then the ten heard about it. So there were 12 disciples, James and John, a couple of them. The other ten are like, whoa, what are they asking? James and John, what, what, what did they just say? When the ten heard about it, they began to be indignant. At James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said, Jesus, the master teacher, Jesus, the one who, who, who spots a situation and says, let's make this a teachable moment. Okay, you 12, come on, let's huddle up. Here's what life is about. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your, and what's the word there, First Baptist? Your what? Your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave. Doulos is the Greek word. Slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to, what's the word there? And to give his life as a ransom. Guys, look at this. I've come. If if, if my mission and my purpose is to come and serve, shouldn't yours be as well? What he tells his disciples. Listen, First Baptist, here's what we have to understand and remember. And we just talked about prodigals. We just prayed for them. And I pray that you will continue to do so. I said some of you are here today. You need to know how much God loves you. You are not here by accident. God loves you so incredibly much. That's what the whole Old Testament teaches. That's what the whole New Testament teaches. It's his love relationship with you. God loves you. However, we can't just leave it with that. What he then wants is for our love back to him. That, that's where we come into the story. Yes, God loves us, but then he expects us to love him back. And that's not just with, well, I'll go to church every now and then. That's not just with, well, you know, I'll think the right thoughts or, or I'll, I'll sing us some worship songs and, and that'll be a good thing or I'll just have a good meditation upon God. No, eventually it gets to the place of what do I do with that love? What do I do about that love? That love extends to action. And so here's what the Bible says about that. You have your outline. Let's go through these first four points very quickly. The Bible says that you were created for service. That's why you were even created. We are his workmanship, it says that in Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is a Greek word, um, poema. Is what the Greek word for that is. It's in English. You hear the English word poem, which can also be translated a work of art. Meaning, you are his creation. 
You are his work. You are his craftsmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are his Picasso. Okay, can we say it in that way? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right next to you and say, you, you are a Picasso. Give him one of those. All right, all right. You are a Picasso. (laughs) Yeah. That, that's what God's word says about you. You are his poema, his work of art. He created you. You're his creation, but you're his creation for his service, for good works that he has for you. So not only were you created, but the second point I put down there was that you have also been chosen for service. You've been chosen for service. It says in 2 Timothy, God saved us and chose us to be his holy he chose us to represent. He chose us to be those people. In fact, do you remember in elementary school, uh, for some of you I know that's way back, but do you remember in elementary school when uh, at recess or PE they did choosing for, for teams? Okay, you, you, some, some of you didn't mind that because you might have been picked first or second. You were a good athlete. But others of you I know, you, you have a pit in your stomach right now because you remember what that was like. Right? You, you were always the last one chosen. And, and, and you can still kind of even go back to that time right now. Remember what they do? They'd line everybody up against the fence. And then the captains would step up. And they would say, I want so-and-so. I choose so-and-so. And I choose so-and-so. And I choose... They'd just go down the list. And then you remember what happened with like the last five or six or seven people? Right? Oh, no. Don't give us Carolyn. No, no, not Michael. You, you guys take Michael. We don't want Michael. You take Michael, right? Re- remember those days? Yuck, right? I had a PE teacher in fourth grade who uh, got the captains together as they were chosen and said, okay, here's what I want you to do. She just pulled them together and she said, I want you to choose your team in reverse order. They said, What? He said, I want you to pick the people who normally are picked last. I want you to pick them first. They didn't want to do that, but they did it. And I still remember today. One of them stepped up and said, okay, first pick, I pick Carolyn. And you should have seen the look on her face. Like me? You're choosing me to be on your team first? I mean, she walked out with her head held high, her chin up like it had never been. As she walked out in front of all of her classmates and stood out there, and she basically was saying, I was chosen first. Second pick was Michael. Michael usually went last, but all of a sudden he says, I need Michael on my team. Here comes Michael. You you realize that that same kind of choice has been made with you. That the cosmic captain of the entire universe has said, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you first to be on my team. You are chosen to be part of what I do. You are chosen to serve on this team. 
That, that's what our God has done. That's what God's word communicates about us, that we were chosen. And not only created for service, not only chosen for service, but the next point I put down there was that you were also called for service or called to service is what I wrote down. You are called to service. It says, Ephesians 4.1, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Which, taken at face value, there's a lot of responsibility in that. That might seem uh, overwhelming. But here's what I know about our God. That our God who created you, chose you, and called you, is not going to do all those things without also equipping you. Without also enabling you to do what he wants and designs for you to do. That's where the gifts come in. In other words, the last point there on the front is you are gifted for service. You are also gifted for the service that he has for you. As each one has received a gift, it says out of 1 Peter, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, if you've been around First Baptist for very long, this message is not surprising. I mean, we, we teach this usually on a regular basis around this time. We, we've done this for, for years and years and years and years. Get involved. Don't just sit there. Be a part of this. But could you imagine what this was like for the first century Christian? Who is, who is being abused by the authorities of government, and now you're a Christian, and so you're being kind of even ostracized, maybe even having to have secret meetings and read these letters. And in these letters, you open them up and you see, wow, God has created me for service. He's chosen me to be on his team. He's called me into this service. He's gifted me to do this as well. And now you have a choice to make. Do I follow through on what he has said? Or do I just kind of take it as, ah, no big deal. Paul says, oh no. Don't just sit there. This is way too important. In fact, if you would turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, it's back about five or six books to your right. After, if you had your Bible open to Mark, if you come to 2 Corinthians, you're too far, go back one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, God God has gifted you. And as we've explained over the last three or four weeks, everybody who is a follower of Christ has been gifted with at least one spiritual gift. Some of you have multiple spiritual gifts. And Paul says this in verse 1 of chapter 12. Concerning these spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, really the Greek word is brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be, what's the word there? Uninformed. Don't be ignorant of this. Don't be uninformed. I I, I want you to understand what God thinks and says about you. One day, you are going to stand before God, your maker. We all are going to. And I'm just going to give you a hint of what's going to happen on that day. He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? First of all, he's going to find out if you have accepted his son, Jesus Christ, into your life. And that's going to allow you to come into his kingdom or not. Second question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? And I want you to know the answer that you're going to give to him on that day. Because I do not want him to ask you that question and have you say, uh... Come again? 
what, what, what was the question? I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared for that one. Uh, say, say that one more time. No, 2016, I'm giving you the answer. It's what you do now with your life. And I know so many of you have been involved, and so many of you are serving, but others are not. Others of you are sitting there, not involved. And you won't have an answer to give on this day if the Lord was to call you home now. You need to know what this question is and that you can find your answer for this. Be informed. Now, that scenario looks so different than what James and John were stepping into into the book of Mark. When they said, "Uh, Jesus, we kind of think that we're above the rest of these other guys. And so can we have one sit at the left and the right, prestige power? Can can we be there? That's where Jesus says, oh, this this is not about you guys. Guys, this entire life is not about you. In fact, he modeled that so well that he said, I didn't even come to be served. I came to serve others as well. And so Paul says that. I don't want you to be uninformed. In fact, go down to verse 4, and let's dig a little deeper into what he's getting at here. Verse 4, chapter 12, he says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You know what he's getting at there? He's saying, all right, the gifts are varied, the service is varied, the results of your service are varied, but let me give you some thoughts on what you can do and how you can put those gifts into practice. And it's what I put on the back side in this box. And so let me just kind of speak plain language to us here at First Baptist Church. There are things that you can do with your giftings. There are ways that you can serve. Some of you say, well, I don't have a huge commitment. I can't do it every week. Well, that's fine. You can do something in some way. And so let me give you three ways to use your gifts. First one I wrote down there was through ongoing ministry. Through ongoing ministry that you're a part of. Our church could not do what it does especially on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights, without faithful, regular, ongoing ministry of hundreds and hundreds of you who serve. Specifically, children's ministry. Specifically, in, in, our, in our youth ministry. I think about the ushers, the greeters, the Next Step Center attenders, the, the cafe uh, 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 servants, the musicians, the, the tech team. All that put together allows us to do ministry around here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. Now, that's not even counting all the other ministries that take place. And so next week, you'll have opportunities to serve in some of those different areas where you can make a commitment to say, yes, the giftings God has given to me, I can use on an ongoing, regular basis. Now, others of you say, I I, I can't do that quite as much. And so maybe it would be, and that's the second thing I wrote down, a short-term project. Hey, great, if that's what you'd like to do. In fact, our mission trips are often fueled by people who use their gifts on some short-term type of project. Coaches who coach in our sports um, program, uh, basketball, and this year is going to be football, um, they do a, a short-term step-up type of project. Uh, 150 of you, a couple of months ago, said, we'll help VBS around here. And we had over 300 kids a part of our Vacation Bible School program, which not, w- would not have been done if over 150 of you didn't say, okay, yep, five nights, I'll give some time, I'll use the gifts to be a part of that, and I'll make a difference in some kids' lives. And to see over 30 kids say yes to Jesus because you stepped out and made a difference, that, 
That is what this is about. Others of you might serve um, in community group facilitators for, for the upcoming campaign that we have here in the fall time. Uh, we're also going down, uh, we have it scheduled to, in the fall time to paint our police station. Uh, for, for about five or six months, we've had it on the books that we're going to go down there in the fall and paint not only the first story, but the second and the third on the inside of the police station. And so we said we would do that because we knew that we have many servants around here who would step up and give us a Saturday and say, let's make a difference with our police officers. That's because we serve in a short-term type of a project. Now let me give you a, a third way that we can serve, and that is through spontaneous situations, just those things that come up. Now, now we truthfully should all be serving in this type of a way. Because if you want to be used by God, you've got to be willing to be interrupted. And, and this is something I have to keep reminding myself of. When I go out for errands, when I do things, and I see situations that need my attention, that, that's, just an inter- that's not an interruption, that's an opportunity for me to serve. The same thing with you. I mean, just, just take a look at what Jesus did as he did this. When Jesus performed his miracles, so many times those were interruptions in his day that he hadn't necessarily planned to step into. I mean, if you want to make an interesting study sometime, I've shared this thought before. Follow the, not, not just the steps of Jesus, but trace his stops, the places where he stopped and said, okay, I, I need to take care of this need. And then on his way, okay, I need to take care of this need. Okay, on, on his way, he's going somewhere, okay, I need to take care of this need. He, he did so many of his miracles in that way. He healed the blind man, uh, there's a lame man, sick people, paralyzed people, a dead child. All interruptions in his day. First miracle ever performed. A wedding. He was having a good time, I'm sure. Then he gets approached. Hey, you know what? They've ran out of wine. What can you do about it? Turns water into wine. That was an interruption. Second miracle. On his way to Galilee, he's interrupted. Jesus didn't see those as interruptions. He saw them as opportunities. And so for us to realize we can use our gifts just when situations come up, but we have to make the time to be prepared for those situations. Let me go on a little further here. In fact, let me reread verses 4 through 6 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now watch this. Here's verse 7. Here's where he kind of ties this together. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, what's the words there? For the what? common good. That's why you've been given these gifts. You've been given these gifts to build up the body, the church body. And then he goes on kind of to talk about some of those various gifts. But, but I, I don't want you to miss something here because it's, it's interesting what takes place. Look how different this is from what James and John were desiring. Hey, Jesus, we, we, we know we kind of have some giftings, and now we're followers of yours. And so can we have the power and the prestige? Can we have the left and the right? Can we have those positions? She's like, no, that's not what it's about. Eh, you flunked. Didn't, didn't make the cut. Not good. Guy's not good. Let me, let me explain what this is about. Let me explain it again. Because what Jesus knew is that we, in our sinful, human tendencies tend to want to use our gifts to glorify ourselves. 
We tend to want to use our gifts to kind of pump ourselves up instead of what it was called for, and that is blessing other people. In fact, isn't it interesting? You can look right here in chapters 12, 13, and 14. Isn't it interesting that as Paul is explaining about the spiritual gifts, that he sticks chapter 13 right in the middle of these two powerhouse chapters on spiritual gifts. Obviously, the people were using them in ways that maybe wasn't very loving. They were using them in maybe some self-serving ways. And so, after chapter 12, he says, but, but let, me, let me go back and let me remind you why you do what you do. And that's where the love chapter comes into play. Even before he gets into the whole chapter 14 of tongues and, hey, they're not for, you know, to be spoken out in the worship services and let me teach you on that. Let me teach you about some problems here. No, he says, hold on a second, guys. Hold on. This is about love primarily. Isn't it interesting that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, who many of you had read at your wedding or vow renewal, or if you're not married yet, someday you will have probably portions of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 read, was, was not written in the context of a wedding. It was written in the context of living out your faith in the church. It should be read before business meetings, not weddings. Love. Love first. Love first. Love first. Use those gifts to love others. Because honestly, when it is all said and done and you or I are six feet underground, people are not going to necessarily remember what gifts we have, but they will remember how you love them by using those gifts. That's what this is about. So my encouragement to you, Live beyond yourself. Live outside of yourself. If you are a part of the dry bones, wake up. Be a part of the army that needs to serve. Get out of your comfort zone and do as Jesus commanded us to do. And let me read again verses 43 and 45 in chapter 10 where it says, whoever would be great among you. Oh, man. Go be a servant first. And whoever would be first must be a slave to everyone. And then Jesus, in those words that I pray you remember on a daily basis. The Son of Man. That's me. Son of Man, he said. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to make a difference. This last week I became uh, familiar with an interesting concept that I'm hoping we as First Baptists will join into. Uh, it's called the Silent Minute. And let me explain it to you. Uh, during the dark days of, the World War, of World War II, uh, the British Major Wellesley Tudor Pohl um, proposed doing a silent minute. He suggested that people would give one minute at 9 o'clock every, every night to praying for peace during World War II. Both King George VI at that time and uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill gave it the thumbs up and said, yes, we are on board with that. And so November 10th of 1940, the BBC radio 
began broadcasting by chiming the Big Ben um, uh, chimes as a signal for the country to go to one minute of silent prayer. Well, our president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, heard about that as well, encouraged the silent prayer across our land, and it soon began to spread to, they said, battlefields, to air raid shelters, to hospitals, and all the rest. And what's interesting is that after the war, the British intelligence began to talk with some of the captured Nazi leaders and to interrogate the high Nazi officials. And one of them began to ask them why they thought their country had been defeated. And the official replied this. He said, during the war, you had a secret weapon that none of us could countermeasure. We didn't even understand it, but we knew it was very powerful. He said it was associated with the striking of the Big Ben each evening. I believe you called it the Silent Minute. First Baptist, we need to be about that. We need to be about that silent minute of prayer. And I'm not just going to say it's a minute. Make it as long as you want to make it, but for sure, make it a minute. And, and statistics tell me that there's over 125 million people who do this. In fact, back in 1994, Great Britain brought it back into existence, kind of this global movement of the silent minute. And so it happens every night at 6 o'clock Pacific time, 9 o'clock Eastern where you can join over 125 million people who have said, yes, we want to pray for God's peace upon this world. And I'll give you something specific to pray for, is that we pray for our next elected president. As we just finished the Democratic Convention, and before that the Republican Convention, we know our country needs prayers. Amen? Man, and we have to be the people to lead in doing that. We know that our states need godly men and women. We know that our, our cities need godly men and women. You pray all the way from the president of the United States all the way down to the mayor and the city councilman to be elected in this upcoming election. And as First Baptist Church, I pray that you will do that. In fact, my wife and I, we set our alarms on our phones to go off every night at 6 o'clock. And I would love nothing more than you be in the bank, you be in the restaurant, you be in a supermarket, and you hear your alarm going off, and you hear five other alarms going off as well, because you're all saying, we're from First Baptist, and we're going to be praying for this. So tell other people as well. Tell your, your neighbors, your friends, tell other church members. Let's be people who pray. And again, a silent minute then, yes, we'll join the army of prayer warriors. But don't just leave it there. Go farther, go deeper, because you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have been gifted to serve. You have been gifted to make a difference. And my prayer is, whether it be an ongoing ministry, whether it be a short-term ministry, or whether it be spontaneous ministries, you will understand life is not just about sitting there, but it's about stepping up and becoming involved and making a difference for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, um, you have called us to be a part of your army. You have called us to service. That means we are answering to a different chief. That means we are answering to a different commander.
Folks, if you have given your life to Jesus, God's word says you have been created for service, chosen by him for service, called for that service. You've been gifted for that service. And what that means is that you need to do something about that. It means you need to take a step. And and, and folks, this might be next week when we have our Next Step Sunday. We have dozens and dozens and dozens of places for you to step in and serve. If you're not currently serving, I pray that you would step out of your comfort zone and you would do that. God, I thank you for so many who already do. Over 700 of our army serving in a regular ministry. God, that's exciting, but we know there's more. There's hundreds and hundreds more who need to step up and be involved. God, we also know that there are some in here who have heard me share this message, and yet your Holy Spirit isn't living inside of them yet. They've not given their lives to you yet. And folks, if if you didn't realize how much God loves you, if you didn't realize that perhaps you've been running, and today was just an awakening of that, to say, welcome home, you have a God who has chosen you, who said, come, then I pray today you realize that. That God's Son, Jesus Christ, was sent into this world to die for your sins, for my sins as well. He has chosen you, and now He asks you to choose Him. And what we need to believe is that Jesus chose willingly to go to the cross to die for our sins, to give you forgiveness. Forgiveness that you could not earn, forgiveness that you really don't even deserve, but it's forgiveness that's extended because he went to the cross to die for you. And we receive that in faith. We receive that by saying, Jesus, I choose you back. I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. And if today that is the prayer of your heart, in your heart, would you just say these words, Lord Jesus, I choose you today. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. Today, I choose to be a part of your army. You know, God's word says, if you believe that in your heart, you confess that with your mouth, you'll be saved. And so after the service, I'd be honored if you come down and Share that decision with me. We have attendants at our Next Step Center who would love to hear that decision as well and give you some information about how you can take those steps of growing in your faith. We are so excited for you. But don't just sit there. Again, share with the person who who brought you. Share with one of our staff members. We want to help you along the journey because there is such an adventure for you. God, thank you for calling us. Thank you that we don't have to sit in boredom. Thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of your team, a part of your army, to do your work. And so, Lord, if we don't have a duty to do, may we sign up, may we be involved, may we get involved. And if we do, may we serve with all the gusto, the love that you have given to us. May that be reflected back in how we show you we love you too. Not only through our words, not only through our thoughts, but, Lord, through our action, through our service we give to you. God, even now as we worship you, may the words that come out of our mouths be reflective of our hearts. For we give you glory and praise. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.